Last week we were talking about faith expressing itself through love. We were we were talking about self love and and the uh, all the red tape and the garbage caught up with that. You know what a hard thing to overcome all the obstacles that the world and the devil has lied to us about. But solution is simply disagreeing with God and moving forward. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's secret revealed to His children. It has a lot to do with you. God's secret was Jesus. He's come. He's, we know Him now. Everything that they were believing for and looking forward to in the Old Covenant, just in shadows and types, we have in Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived for him, of course. Ever lived. But he said, John the Baptist is lower than the least one in the kingdom of God. Every one of you, Jesus says, is greater than John the Baptist, whom he called the greatest who had ever lived up to that point. Amazing. But do you see yourself that way? This is the hurdle. Amen? I want to read, continuing on in that faith through love. We'll just look John chapter 11. I'm just going to go through some scriptures today. John chapter 11, I'll just start at the first verse. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Everyone knows how much I love Bethany. Because Jesus loved Bethany and he loved the people there and they loved him and he could go there and relax and be at peace. This is where his friend Lazarus lived with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Also, Simon the leper lived there, who Jesus had healed, obviously. It's the place from where Jesus ascended to heaven, too. Now that I think about it. He's going to come back right there on the Mount of Olives. Lazarus was sick. <clears throat> the village of Mary and her sister Martha was Bethany. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They were friends. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus wasn't saying that physically Lazarus wasn't going to die. He said it wasn't going to end up that way. He was using his creative ability, just like you have, to speak life into the situation. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's interesting that he mentions Martha by name there first. Because a lot of people give Martha a hard time because she was busy tending to the house that day and Jesus 
corrected her because Mary was just sitting on the floor listening to Jesus. But he loved her. She got it right. Amen? Amen. Matter of fact, we're fixing to see Martha's faith. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, okay, he loved him as his friend. So he found out he's ill. They come and tell him. So when he found out, what does he do? So he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. (laughs) Most of us would buckle under the pressure. The rejection of our friend. What are you doing? You need to get here right now. Jesus just chilled out for two more days. <coughs> then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Why didn't Jesus just say that to start with? These disciples were very carnal. They weren't even saved yet, to be honest with you, because they couldn't, because Jesus hadn't paid for their sin, and the Holy Ghost had not come. And they were very carnal. And so he already knew that they had doubt and unbelief, and if he said death, it would even make it harder. Amen? Amen. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But... Let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. They were going to go with Jesus, and if they were going to kill Jesus, they were ready to die with him. Amen? Amen. Just like Peter, and he cut off the, the ear of Malchus. But they were ready to fight for him, but they weren't ready to be persecuted for him <laughs> quite yet. We found that out too. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That's faith. Every time there's a miracle or healing, you're going to, I'll show you, I can show you where the faith is. It's required. Okay? So there it is. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise. Now comes the doubt. Now I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, 
saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Tavana's favorite scripture, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Listen, Jesus wasn't crying because his friend was dead. He knew what he was going to do. He was crying because of the pain, because of the how ugly death is and all the things that sin had done to his creation which he never intended you see what I'm saying his compassion for how far it had gotten so the Jews said see how he loved him but some of them said could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying then Jesus deeply moved again came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. The King James says, he stinketh. (laughs) And I'm sure it did. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. There's no evidence that Jesus had prayed up to now. So it could have been the groaning in the spirit, which is prayer. Or he could have prayed a silent prayer. I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Come forth! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. He still had the grave clothes on him. He was like a mummy. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Loose him! And let him go. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he was still bound. This is a picture, an illustration of salvation. Just for your information here today. When we get born again, without Without that, we're, we're, not, we're not going to heaven, okay? John 3, 3. Jesus told Lazarus, a good man, came to him at midnight, teacher of the law, lest a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. 
When we're born again, we're raised to new life in Christ, but still bound with some of the old habits and thoughts, junk from our previous life. We have to be set free from those old grave clothes through the truth of God's Word with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Any of you get born again and just immediately were completely and totally free and renewed in your minds of all your junk and thoughts? You <laughs> Okay, awesome. Some of us got a lot that day, but... There were other things that had to be fixed. It's mostly our thought life. We have to renew our minds, amen, through the washing of the water of the Word. We've passed from death to life. Our spirits are renewed, born again, perfected, and then sealed with the promised Holy Spirit of God. One third of your salvation is over, amen. But then you got this soul, this mind and will and emotions, this junk. And then this body. This is just the vehicle that we're traveling here in. We're going to get a new one of these one day that's not going to be subject to corruption anymore. Thank God. But for now, we're working on this soulish realm because we get our soul to line up in agreement with the spirit who has the very mind of Christ to align with this word, then it'll be two against one, and then this vehicle will just follow suit. Amen? Second Corinthians 5.17 Everybody knows and loves that scripture, or you should, because it tells you the reality of what has happened, but most... People don't know the following scripture. So let's read 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 21. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today because I love it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, is what the King James said. So, when you looked in the mirror after you got born again, if you had a scar on your face or you're a little overweight, that didn't go away. It says, All things have become new. It's important that we understand our salvation, that we are three part being spirit, soul, and body, and the spirit is what has been renewed and perfected. And become new at salvation. Amen? Amen. All things have become new. And John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So the spirit is how God is relating to us now that He can. Amen? Now that the spirit of Satan is evicted. Okay. And then Jesus said, my words are spirit. Amen? Okay. Okay. Let's keep reading though. <clears throat> Behold, all things have become new. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. It's a good place to shout, folks. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see that? Message of reconciliation. There's the grace of God right there. This grace, this message of grace, the gospel and the grace of God are interchangeable in Galatians. You see Paul talking about them. He said, how quickly you have changed from the grace of God to another gospel. You see that? Which he said really is no gospel at all. What they had done, they tried to incorporate Jesus plus. Jesus plus. Jesus, yeah, Jesus did forgive you, but you got to do the other 413 plus 10 as well. Wrong. Nullifies everything. Nevertheless, let's move on. Therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin. To be sin. Jesus. He made Jesus to be sin. Who knew no sin. So that in Jesus. We might. Be. The righteousness of God. All right. We're going somewhere. Where was I? (laughs) Rhetorical questions, just to see if y'all knew. Second Corinthians five. Okay. I'm gonna jump down. Something's telling me to read to go over to verse to chapter six. And start there. I'm going to read just a couple of things from there. Because Jesus became sin. So that we could become the righteousness of God. Okay. It's an exchange going on there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Oh, I had my marker in 9 when I was doing the offering. Y'all should have told me that. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting at the first verse. Working together with Him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. How many have been helped by God when you cried out in truth and He came and saved you? Alright, so God's making an appeal to you. He said, I heard you. I listened to you. I came and saved you and helped you. I listened and helped you at the day of salvation. Now, don't receive the grace that I've given you in vain. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Skip down to the 14th verse. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers... Listen, this doesn't mean build a wall around yourself and only allow Christians into your life. It just means, careful. Don't get it on you. Stick and move. (laughs) Okay. You don't ever shut people out. Those are the people He died for. Amen? Amen? They need what you have. But don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? 
What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. When you receive Jesus Christ, you still have your mama, but you got a new daddy. See, Garrett and Buck can say, we have the same daddy now, and they'd not be weird about it at all. <laughs> be awesome. You have his blood flowing through your veins, you see. You're a royalty. I love that song. I'm going to get Dennis to do it later. Royalty has found a home in you. Hmm. Mm-mm. The seventh chapter, first verse. Since we have these promises, that great news, that that wonderful opportunity, God to be your father, you his child. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now, isn't that a lot different than somebody telling you, you better be holy or you're going to get zapped? Why? The same reason God wants you to give from a cheerful heart. It's all about the motivation. He wants you to choose Him for Him. And if you really find out about Him, it's good news. You can't help but love Him. And you'll respond. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I know of one man that preached on Romans 12, 2 for two years straight. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. In other words, again, because of what, based on what God has done. His amazing love and His generosity towards you. Because of that, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. King James again says, your reasonable service. It's only reasonable for Him to be able to expect this. Do not be conformed to this world. Here's Romans 12, 2. And I'm not going to do it for two years. I might mention it every week for two years. I probably already have. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
People say, well, God's ways are just not our ways. And we just can't understand some things. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Oh, I guess he needed another good man. So he took my husband that's only 35 years old from me. Wrong. That's a lie, a bunch of lies right there, perpetuated by the devil. Because you might act like you love the God that God that did that that day, but after a while you're going to get a little bitter. God loves me. Yeah, right. Why would He do that? He didn't. Jesus made it very clear. John 10.10 The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He said the devil's a liar. He's always been a liar. But I watched him fall from heaven like lightning, he said. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's about a legacy that I'm talking about. What's your legacy going to be? When I say legacy, do you think about God? Do you think about the legacy you leave behind having anything to do with God? When people talk about you, when your life is said and done and all that is written in the history book, will, they, will it be impossible for them to tell the story without talking about your love for God? I hope so. Because it's not supposed to be our legacy. It's supposed to be His. We're not created for us. We're created for Him. It's just the truth. I was telling my wife this morning with tears actually how the Lord has shared that the church as we think of the church is I'm not talking about this I'm talking about the church worldwide is much, much smaller than we think. Much. So many people have incorporated Jesus into their lives. And it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. I have a... I know a guy. I, I know of... I'm very fond of this minister. He was in... Pakistan or somewhere over there not long ago and he rode on the plane with a, a billionaire businessman from the area he was going to and he was Hindu and uh, the Lord began to pour out words of knowledge and gifts of the spirit so he began to he said let me he said you've got a heart condition he told the guy you know it's like you know, gets their attention. And who are you? I, I love Jesus. He said, <laughs> "I'm Hindu." Oh, good. I'm a Christian. So, long story short, lots of things happened. He got healed. His son got healed, and whole family got saved, and all these things. But prior to this, this billionaire businessman had been trying to do good in his area he was so well highly thought of and and 
listened to because of his wealth and power that he was trying to do what he thought was a good thing. There's lots of religious sects in his area and he was trying to get the Hindus and the Muslims and the Christians and the Sikhs and all these others to come together in agreement and to live in peace together. My friend told him, sir, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's in his destruction. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way to the God that you think they're all trying to get to. How would you like to be in that line on the last day of judgment with all those people who you've caused to live in peace together on this earth, but only the few who are Christians in reality in this life are the ones going in for all eternity? That wouldn't be good, he said. And it wouldn't. He had to do the same thing when he was just bringing to salvation the wife. And she said, my children can worship whoever they want. They can, they can, uh, they can worship this and Hindus and, and the, all these different gods and, and, and Jesus too if they want. He said, that won't do. Jesus can't be one of the ways. He's it or nothing. Can't incorporate Christian. It, it, just the very word Christian is... implies little Christ or that Christ is in you. We're going to have to get Christ into Christians. You understand? (laughs) This is a hard times we're living in. Hard times. The real believers of Jesus Christ are going to have to stand up and use their mouths. We can't be passive. The devil loves passive Christians. Passive Christians have allowed the devil to be kicked out of our entertainment and media, the news, uh, schools, education, government. You know, we have Muslim Brotherhood affiliates advising our president on staff. Hello. And. There's a way that seems right to a man. It's in his destruction. Like I said, there are those these days, so many. Everywhere you go, they're calling those things that are evil, good. And they would point to you if you stand up and say the things I'm saying here, that you're the hater. You're the hater. You're the bigot. And all the things that they are calling tolerance and love and understanding are lies perpetuated by the devil. Demonic spirits have taken over people and they're calling that good and acceptable. I really love the people. I love them so much that I'll tell them the truth that they can be set free from all those things. I'll tell them the truth that this Muslim faith is perpetuated by the devil. Their book was written by the devil. Ours was written by God. And if they continue to follow that, they will never enter in to heaven. Muhammad's still in his grave. You know what the Lord was showing me? That if this continues on with this left-wing liberal ideology, which is all based on lies, the very things that they're trying to incorporate and tolerate and call love, they're going to lose it all. 
Because that's the very ideology of the Muslim Brotherhood, how to take this nation over from within, you see? To get us so passive and so tolerant that they rise to power and then wait and see the laws that will be imposed. These people can't even tolerate the very limited government we have now. Wait till they see Sharia law at work. <laughs> you won't need transgender bathrooms because all those people will be killed, you see? Anyone who calls themselves homosexual will be killed. We do not advocate that in the Christian faith. As long as there's life, as there's breath in them, there's a hope and a chance that God can get a hold of their hearts. There is deliverance in Christ. There is freedom. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom and liberty. And you are walking around with the power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. And you can free anyone and everyone that you come into contact with. I have a friend that I grew up with. I love him dearly. I posted something on Facebook yesterday from Martin Luther or John Wesley or one of them about the schools and about with, with uh, the Word of God being exempt from the schools and without teaching the Scriptures. And, and so we're, we're really in big trouble. And he says, oh, really? And he makes a quote about, you really want them to, to teach the Scriptures that the, the world is 6,000 years old and that a snake might talk to you and, and this and that. You know my response? Man, I love you, Timmy, and so does Jesus. You ought to come and let me pray for you. If I could get my hands on him. It wouldn't be like the old days when I would have just whooped his butt. Now I just want to hug him and all that stuff's going to go, you see. I just want him to feel the love of God. I want him to know Jesus. That's, that's, our battle is not against flesh and blood. That guy is no more my enemy than he was when we were kids playing together. He's deceived. The best thing that could happen to him is for Jesus to get a hold of his heart. And religion has screwed people up. That's what he's talking about. And those things he's saying. This, the, you can never, never. You could read this for a hundred years. And never, never, never understand the things I'm talking to you about today. Which are all in here. You need the Holy Ghost. It's not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And without... Knowing the Holy Spirit and 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 I'll say it, using Him in the most respectful way possible, we are called to utilize the faith that God has given us. And the faith is a is a, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We have to embrace Him and talk to Him because that's how Jesus did it. Jesus came and lived as a man. For 30 years, he lived the law out perfectly. That's how God was able to give us righteousness through him. Because he fulfilled all righteousness. That's why he told his cousin, you have to baptize me so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. Because before Jesus did it, righteousness could only be credited to you if you did all the 413 laws plus 10 perfectly your whole life and no one ever did it and never could. It was just a mirror pointing out how holy God is and how much we needed a Savior. Jesus did it. And in the Hebrew culture, when you're 30 years old, you inherit everything your father has. Hello. 
And Jesus did. You know what? It came when he came up out of the water. The Holy Spirit came and landed on him like a dove. You have received that same inheritance as believers in Christ. Amen. Amen. Galatians 2.20 and 2.21 says, here's what Paul said. Here's, here's Paul's position on the matter. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. You, you, we have to quit seeing Christ as crucified so we can have a better life. We have to see Instead of just seeing Him crucified for us, we have to see Him crucified as us. Hello? Amen, preacher. I see it. I think I see it. Keep on. Bring it. I'm going to bring it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify or frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. He died to make us sons of God. Only with the Holy Spirit's help will this ever make sense to us. Jesus was the Word made flesh. Isn't that what John said? We are to be this Word. To live it out. But not as a work of the law. Not to try and earn relationship with God. No. We are to live and work from the relationship which we are cultivating and enjoying and being powered by. To work out the salvation that is in us. Not to work for the salvation. Huge difference. Huge difference. I have some friends that I love dearly that helped me so much when I entered into this relationship with God. And I believe they are just as off course as can be. And man, I don't know what to do. They are preaching preachers into hell and everybody that's ever makes a mistake. Trying to convince people that they have to earn their salvation. And that grace is something God gives you for being good. That's just as bad as those who are preaching the grace of God as a license to sin. Same thing to me. I don't care. I don't want to be left or right. Keep my feet firmly on the rock, Jesus Christ. Amen. That was my agreement with God when I came into this thing because I was way behind a lot of others. I said, I don't know who to believe. They're all disagreeing. You have to teach me. I didn't know what an amazing, beautiful prayer that was. He loved it so much, he just honored it. Listen, seven words. If you get this, the lights will go on and your life will be so much better. Be to do. 
Not do to be. Be to do. Not do to be. Ephesians 4. Let me go there for a second. Bear with me. We're almost done. Y'all getting anything out of this today? Okay. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4. I'll just start at the first verse because I want to get to the 24th. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. I love Paul. He, Paul. Paul was just over himself, you know? I love it. If I need, if I need you to honor me, I am blessed that you do. But if I need and demand it of you, I've got a problem. Paul himself, he got on to the church so much, he said, you, some of you say I follow Paul, some of you say I follow Apollo. Oh, wait a minute, what are you calling them Paul and Apollos? You shouldn't you be calling them Apostle? Some of you call, I, I follow Paul, I follow Paul. He said, hey, is Christ divided? Paul or Apollos, we're nothing. He said, one, one, one plants, one waters. God gives the increase. I told my wife, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a message. Just, just call me water boy. I just, I just want to water a seed. And now and I want to plant a seed. I, I don't care. Give God the glory. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of calling, of the calling to which you've been called. Humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. <clears throat> there are lots of baptisms. This is talking about being baptized into Christ. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness or deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles or unbelievers do in the futility of their minds. Man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, and practice to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You are created righteous and holy. You don't have to remake yourself. You just have to be this new creation that God has made you to be when you believed and called on Him in truth to come and save you. This is of the utmost importance that you understand this. It seems like a lot of to do about nothing, semantics, but it's all about the cart before the horse. Or not. One way you're not going to get anywhere. The other way, you just take a nice, pleasant, adventurous ride with the Lord all the way through this life to your final destination with your heavenly bridegroom. Amen? Amen. You are created righteous and holy. All you have to do is be Don't try to become, just be who He made you to be. And you find out through the Word with the help of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.29 says, For for those whom God foreknew, He already already knew about you, Frank, before you were ever born. He he knew that you were going to respond positively to the the gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ. And he, knew, he foreknew you. He said those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus was just the first of an entire family. God wanted a family of children who loved him for him. So he took the only child he had. If you want tomatoes. What kind of seed do you plant? Plant a tomato seed. God wanted children, so He took His only. And He sacrificed that child. He planted that. And He's getting a harvest now of little Christians. We have to shake off the deception of the world and the devil, you see. We have to come into the knowledge of the truth of who we truly are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled faces. You see, they only knew in shadows and types when, when Moses gave the law from Mount Sinai. And it was all about judgment and accusation. Jesus did away with that. Now, with unveiled faces, we can behold the glory of the Lord. We can look... Into the eyes of Jesus. Who said that earlier? We can look into the eyes of Jesus. The light, the, the eye is the lamp of the soul of the body. And this is it right here. We with unveiled faces, we can now behold the glory 
of the Lord. And we, as we do, we being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, from glory to glory, page by page. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit, as in John seventeen twenty two, on that last faithful night, Jesus was praying. He prayed about unity of all the believers to, to be one. He says, Father, I have given them, talking about the disciples, the glory you gave me, the Holy Spirit. Remember when he told them, receive, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he was with them for 40 days and then he went to heaven and 10 days later on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came into the upper room. He said, don't do anything until you receive the promise from the Father. They had been with him three and a half years. They heard everything he said. They, everything, the, the only one who even wrote about Lazarus being raised from the dead when he had been in, uh, the longest one, four days dead, that, longer than anyone in Scripture being raised from the dead. John's the only one that even wrote about it. Why? They said, if, if we wrote down all the things he did, the books of the world couldn't contain it all. Plus, John wrote his later, and I think, I think Luke and 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 uh, and Mark, uh, I think I think that Lazarus and and his sisters were still alive, probably when they wrote theirs, and so they were probably watching over them. One one account says that uh, Lazarus, not in the Bible, but it says that Lazarus lived. He was about thirty when he was raised from the dead, and lived to about sixty. Nevertheless, he says, "I have given them the glory you gave me, the Holy Spirit." Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. You need to embrace the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. If you never have, you need to. You need to understand who He is. You need to understand. Last week I said uh, you could look at a whole autobiography, a picture written about Himself in the Bible, he doesn't give himself a name except servant. I think I said it was uh, Genesis 22. If I did, I was wrong. It's 24. Genesis 22 is where Abraham um, goes to uh, sacrifice Isaac. Thankfully, the ram is provided in the bush. But 24 is where he, Abraham sends his servant to get a bride for Isaac. It's all a picture of the Holy Spirit. A self-portrait put there by himself. He just calls himself servant. He goes... And he leads her all the way back to her destination across this long desert wilderness to her destination with her bridegroom. It's a picture of us. We're Rebecca. We're the church. Isaac is Jesus in this picture. Abraham is God the Father. And the servant of his house is the Holy Spirit. He provides her, adorns her with the gifts if you look at the weights and measurements, all like 5.5 grams and things like that, all pointing to grace. You see. If she would have wandered off from him in the wilderness, heading back to try to go ahead of him, I'll just go find him myself. She would have never found him. She would have lost, been killed. She would have been dead. Same with us. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. That's how Jesus did everything. Only what He saw His Father do. Only what His Father said. How did He do it? How were they won? By the Holy Spirit, which was in Him. Jesus lived His life out just like you and me. 
Only thing he had, the only authority he had was the agency of the Holy Spirit. He made it so. Even though he was God, he made himself of no reputation. He had to do that so that he could be our kinsman redeemer. A man having given away the authority that we had been given in the Garden of Eden, a man had to get it back. And he lived it all out as a man. So when you say, well, that was Jesus. No. He, he, he didn't take any, anything that he hasn't provided you with to do the job that he did. But you have to believe that. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. He just wants us to begin to understand who we are and what we have in Him. To live His life, His life, not ours. And that our legacy would be more about Him and the things that He did through us and and with us and for us even. Then, Then the arrogance and pride of saying, this is what I did. And I was a good person. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God that I was at least better than this one and that one and the other. So he should grade on a curve and let me in. That'll never get us anywhere. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God and who dwells in you. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Remember that dream that I had when I was in the courtroom and I knew I was there to be judged and condemned and I knew I was guilty in that dark old dirty courtroom and I looked around and there was no one there. No judge, no prosecutor, no witnesses. Only Jesus standing on my right side. No one there to even accuse me. As guilty as I was. Because I had been made righteous with His righteousness. And that's the ministry that we have now. The ministry of righteousness. Much better than the ministry of condemnation, which is what the law was, you see. The ministry of righteousness is trying to compel people to understand and believe that they have been made righteous in Christ. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Because of the blood of Jesus. And you can live out of that place. If you're living to become healed, to become prosperous, to become accepted in God, you will work yourself into the grave and never achieve any of it. Just rest in His finished work and be who He has created you to be, who He has made you to be, who He has paid the price for you to be. Live out of that relationship. We have to learn to love ourselves. To receive the love that He has for us. To learn from Him. I'm almost done here. I keep wanting to call Chris up to play the piano. Not here today. I know you can do it, Dennis. I saw you on Facebook. Play the Batman song. Listen. You ever heard of John Maxwell? It's like being at, like being at a Christian uh, motivational uh, university in the mornings in my house. My wife listens to all sorts of awesome things. 
And she listens to me, too. She actually likes me. But John Maxwell is an awesome man of God, and he's a motivator, written lots of books and things like that. His dad was married for 66 years to his mom, and she passed away. And so they, 92 years old, they, he said, Dad, we need to move you over here. Let's get you in this retirement center where they can kind of care for you, watch there be people around. He goes, oh, sure. And uh, he started looking into it himself. He's 92. He says, uh, they told me I can be the first one to move in over there at the place. And John's like, okay, great. Why would you want to be the first one? He goes, because, he says, there's going to be lots of old people coming there. And they're going to be scared. And they're going to, and they're going to need encouragement. And they're going to need somebody to talk to. Encourage them. And he goes, I want to be there and be that person. And he went and he did it. And he said, now he's the chaplain. He said, nobody voted him. He just raised his hand and asked if he could do it. He, he's the chaplain. He said, now he took one of the big areas there. And he started having a church service. Now he's got two services. And he said, he said, he told his son, John, he said, uh, he goes, you know, I've got two services now. He goes, I'm looking into the satellite. <laughs> He's 92 years old. <laughs> and John was talking to him about his dad. Could you come over to this, this minister's conference I'm holding here in Newtown? He says, uh, I just want you to speak to the people. He goes, well, you know, i got two services on Sunday now. He goes, I know, Dad. He goes, your first service until 930. He goes, we could uh, have you over there at 8.30 and shuttle you back over. He goes, absolutely, I want to come and talk to those boys. They need to be encouraged. They need to know that God loves them. They need to, they need to hear it. That's who we are. You don't have to be a preacher. You know, there's that one preacher, he said, uh, <laughs> he said, you know, I, I had to take a job as a bus driver because a lot of, a lot of people just don't get it. He wasn't making it in his church. And I, that's another story for another time. But he took a job as a bus driver. He says, you know, I have more impact at the job driving the bus than I do in the church. And he, But he was fine with that. That's who we are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be within the four walls. And all of us have this ministry of reconciliation. Right. We all have a testimony of what God did for us. Or we should. Otherwise we don't maybe believe that we really. You know. Some of you yeah. Forgiven much so you love much. I really didn't need it that much. So I, you know. I'm just here to kind of help God out. You're in big trouble if that's how you think. Because James says. Remember the 413 laws plus 10. James says if you're guilty of one. You're guilty of them all. The whole thing. So in God's eyes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the penalty for sin is death. So thank God for Jesus because we're all in the same boat otherwise. All in the same boat. Our purpose in this life is to know God. John seventeen three. John, uh, Jesus was praying. He said, Father, this is eternal life that they know you the one true God and your son Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This intimate, passionate relationship, this knowing God, the same word they used when they said Adam knew Eve and they conceived a child. The same knowing God is available now. Not when we get to heaven, of course, then, but now. At the moment of salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day of your salvation. And that's our purpose. 
the reality of it is that we are supposed to live out of the sonship that we have with God the Father, empowered by His grace to be what He has created us to be, by empowered by the relationship through intimacy with God. This gift of righteousness empowers us to live it out. To be what God has created us to be. To walk in agreement with Him. So that we can fellowship with Him without condemnation. Which is really what He was after the whole time. For if by, because of one man's trespass, Adam, death reigned through that one man for everyone. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life, this life, through the one man, Jesus Christ. The abundant life that Jesus has come to provide us with is right here and available. It's in you. The kingdom of God. Heaven has come to you. You don't have to wait to get to heaven. Just stir up the gift that is within you, is what Paul says. I would encourage you to do whatever it takes to seek God, to get on your knees and push this Bible around with your nose and cry out to Him and tell Him, I just don't get it, but I want to. He will honor that prayer. Motivation gets us going. Discipline keeps us growing. We're going to have to have to do something. You need to take time for God every day. Take time for God. Put Him first. Then you need to find out every day. You need to to find out and practice what the gifts. You need to seek God about what gifts He's put in you that makes you special to this world and valuable because you are valuable to God. And you need to learn to develop those gifts that are in you. I don't care who you are what your lot in life, what your sex is, what any anything else, how old you are, you have gifts that God gave you and you would hate to take those to the grave with you having never utilized or developed those and for for God for the kingdom of God and for the benefit of others in this world and for yourself because that's where you're going to be happiest when you find your purpose and pursue it. You need to spend time exploring and understanding and trusting in the grace of God towards you because it's not all about you. It's not based on your merits. He has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of Jesus. Not because you're lovely. Because Jesus is lovely. (laughs) Because God is love. And He loves you. And He made a way. And you need to Spend time learning to give of yourself. Because growing yourself like we're talking about will enable you to give of yourself. And you're never going to be truly happy until you begin to give to others the same things that you have received from God yourself. Whether it's love or knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then you need to just rest in His finished work and believe and put trust in the value that you have as an individual. Remember last week, it was all about the, the difficult time I had just learning to love me. How, my question was, you know, how could you? Why would you? And I would have been right in the natural, but that person's dead. 
And if I believe now that the life that I live is Christ living in me, which is the truth, then how could I not love that person? How could I not let, let, let Christ who cut his life short for me live through me now? If I believe what he said. I'm created in his image, so I do have value. I need to put my trust in that. You know how you can, you know how you can determine your value? The, look at the price paid for you. God bankrupted heaven to pay for your redemption temporarily. Just be who he has made you to be. Amen. All right. Not going to finish. Just going to quit. Your minds can only absorb as much as your seats can endure. See people drifting off already. I love you. God loves you. Anybody receive that word today? Just raise your hand with me and every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for your precious gift of righteousness. I receive it by faith. All of the grace you have provided through the atonement. Healing for my body. Prosperity for this life that I might be a blessing to others. Salvation for my soul. I thank you, Lord, for teaching me more and more about you and all that you have created me to be and to do. In the places where I'm lacking, Lord, I ask that you do a work of grace. And in the places where I have walked in agreement with you, I would ask that you encourage me. And I thank you for the times of refreshing. And thank you for loving me so much. And valuing me so much. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you have heard the prayers of the hearts, whether silent or verbal, of your children here today. And I pray all of these things for them as well. And all of those who will hear this message. And I thank you, Lord, that you, your power, your provision for us and your love for us is greater than we could ever possibly understand or imagine. Help us to walk in the victory that you've provided for us. Help us to learn to be who you have created us to be, your children, sons and daughters of God, kings and priests who will one day judge angels. Help us to reign in this life in victory over sickness and disease and sin and all the things that the enemy would try to deceive us with. Help us to be beacons of your light to a sick and dying world. To shine brighter and brighter as we come into greater understanding and confidence of who we are in you. Help us to always remember that our motivation is to be love. And when we find ourselves lacking in this area, we'll always run to you and not from you. 
knowing that you are the source of all love and all good things regarding us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.